Like if BYU did a one game bid. <laughs> I would love it. One. I would game. love it. One. I'm not saying two. I'm saying one. But would the NCAA even allow it because they outlawed that thing? <laughs> it's a competitive advantage, <laughs> is it? It's no. so ugly the the opponent can't stop staring. You know how at many it. recruits we lost? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. To help us further the conversation is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, with us in Studio C. Greg, seven years now of Camp Kalani, uh, but this one feels a little bit different. Why does it feel different to you? Well, it will be the last time that BYU preps for a season without a conference championship for which to contend. Mm. And, and there's a lot of focus on, on the next version of camp and what it will mean going into the Big 12, which is why Kalani wants to put so much focus on this current version and letting the seniors go out the right way by giving them the best chance to succeed in this final year of independence. And so in, on one hand, Kalani is excited about what the transition means for this program, but I think he's really um, kind of bearing down on the fact that this is an important year for this program, regardless of what comes in 2023. Let's give these seniors, let's have these seniors help us have uh, a great season. Yeah, perhaps at, at some point in the past we were like, oh, we're going to be looking at the Big 12 too much instead of kind of the last year of independence. When you have this schedule, it's easy to focus on what you have. Now, not to mention there's a lot of guys who may be listed as juniors but are fourth-year guys who are hoping to make an impact, perhaps go to the NFL next year like we've talked about. And this is one of the most talented teams preseason we've had, Greg, in a long time. Yeah, it should be a preseason. I mean, they'll be, they'll be ranked by a lot of people in the yeah. preseason, which doesn't always happen. Uh, we've already talked about the productivity numbers, how those are, you know, legit uh, on, on their face in terms of who's back and, and how much productivity returns. And so there are some eyes on BYU this year uh, before the season begins. You, BYU's had to kind of attract those eyes through September. And, and now the eyes are kind of on them in August. And now can they, can they keep them with the program through September is the question. And you find out real quickly because I, I still think that the South Florida game uh, becomes intriguing if for no other reason than Gary Bohanna is the quarterback of that team. And Gary Bohanna's got a W over BYU uh, just last year. And that's a program that, again, it, it's a slow build there in, in Tampa. But, you know, what a splash you know, they could make by playing well in week one. So I, I, it's, it's just so tough to look, to look anywhere beyond South Florida right now, even though that Baylor home opener is intriguing for so many reasons, and, and that September becomes stacked in its own way. Yeah. Even though the P5s are kind of spread, you know, two September, two October, one November, I think is the way it breaks mm -hmm. down. Um, that, that, that first week, I think, mm. it, it's, it's first game for everybody. And uh, BYU will have to be sharp. And again, just, just having that quarterback there for them, for, for South Florida, is, is a kind of a calming force and a guy that's had some big-time reps. Interesting week one, given BYU's really history in Florida, what happened last time with Jaron Hall yeah, there in his yeah. first start. What even happened last year? It's very, It was a weird game. Yeah, Claudia didn't think they, they finished the South Florida game well. And, and so there, there's a lot to kind of throw into week one where people are going, oh, well, South Florida. But no, there's a few things there yes. that make it interesting. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You brought up the preseason rankings. It's been 13 years since BYU was ranked in a preseason associated press yeah. poll. 13 years. It's a long time, man. Do you expect the Cougars to show up in the AP poll? I, I would. I expect them around the, in, in the back five somewhere. Uh, I, think, I think that's kind of where a lot of people have BYU, right in that range. Um, so it'd be great to have that preseason ranking, though. Um, and like you said, after so long. 
Yeah. It's it's and it will not it'll be nice too because hey, go and get that dub in Florida, two in a row. Stay That's there. not a talking point anymore yeah. with Florida. Um, and then, <laughs> then we've got Baylor at home, And right? it becomes a real marquee now, matchup. Yeah, That's the game people are watching nationally. Totally. Yeah. And, and we expect BYU to compete well, perhaps even win that one. And then, hey, you go to Oregon, you're on Fox, uh, the rare Pacific Coast day game. So this is exciting. But let, let's talk about some of your fall camp storylines. Yeah. Obviously, there's like almost a month to go. But still, there are things to watch. What are you watching in fall camp? One of the most intriguing storylines to me is, is who ends up on the offensive line. Um, mm. as, because someone who started a lot of games last year is probably going to be a backup this year. How wild is that? Uh, again, presuming Kingsley comes in and does what people expect him to do, someone who got a lot of starts will be starting the season on the bench. Now, are you referring to left tackle, right tackle? I'm referring to A and offensive line. Anything. Because there were, a lot, there were a lot of guys that got starts, and, and, and pretty much everyone's back for the most part, with the exception of James. And, and so uh, someone who was a, a guy last year might have to take a backup role this year, which is great for the program, right, to have that kind of depth. But I think it's one of the most tre- intriguing things just to see where that thing settles on the offensive line. You might have a freshman All-American who doesn't start. Like, we'll see with Campbell Barrington. Harris Lachance versus Kingsley for right tackle. Braden Kime is an up-and-comer. Blake Freeland... Feels pretty solid at left tackle. Connor Pay pretty solid at center, but like, well, and, uh, and Clark Barrington's the right guard. Joe Joe Tukwafu. All those names you just mentioned, that, that's more than five. So, <laughs> you know, someone's going to sit. I like a problem to have. <laughs> I said this yesterday, Greg. I've never been more excited to watch the offensive line in my entire life, like yeah. than this group. Right. <laughs> What's your biggest question mark other than the offensive line and who's going to be in the starting five? Uh, question mark. Um, I guess I'd say the same thing. Can can BYU stay appropriately healthy mm. through camp? That is not missing mainline players for long periods of time or the season because it just seems like every year someone you're really counting on has something really unfortunate happen mm. during camp. I guess that's football, but it would be, it'd be nice to, to go through a year where you're not talking about having to lose um, a, a frontline, you know, mainline type A got to have them type player for any period of time. So that, that, that would be a question I'd want to have answered in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see how, you know, where's Isaac Rex and his rehab coming back after a, a November injury. And then you look at the receivers, and Dallin Holker as well. Like, does he take the next up? The receiver is exciting. Obviously, Puka and Gunner are the top two there. Keanu Hill feels, feels like the number three, but like Chase Roberts up and comer, Cody Epps, there's a lot of guys. So uh, if you were to look at a, a, um, a comeback player, uh, candidate for this year. Is yes. that one of your categories? Yeah, oh yeah. Sure. Comeback yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I probably look to both sides of the ball and coming back from injury in this case, right? Uh, Keenan Peely and, and Isaac Rex. Um, I think A-Rod told us during media day that he expected Isaac Rex to be full go for game one. Whether that means full go for camp day one or not, they expect me ready to go to start the season. Uh, can Isaac get back and can Keenan get back on, on either side of the ball? Those would be my comeback player candidates. Okay, yeah. love it. Year. All right, the Mr. Looks the Part. There's always that one guy when you show up on day one of camp, you're like, he looks like a football player. Okay. Uh, and you have to say it like that. Yeah, uh, let, let's first of all establish which part it is we're talking about. And I'll focus on the biggest part um, not returning, and that's Tyler Algier. Does Chris Brooks look the part? And mm. I think that, that'll be the one I'm looking to see. Mr. Looks the part. I'd go for Chris Brooks from okay. day one. Because you, you go for, it, like, player, it, not, like, physically. Yeah, but if there's yeah. one guy you're trying to replace, it's Tyler Algier, 90%. and he gets the first crack at it, and everything we hear is that he looks the part. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and, I love it. Yeah. And he looks the part. Yeah. Like, jerked. Yeah. He, also, he also is, yes. He also looks the part. That yes. was, that's the How about the, the Oh Yeah, That Guy award? Uh, Chase Roberts. 
Um, he caught his last high school pass four years ago, right? But he was like, he was an Under Armour All-American coming. That was a remember how big that get that was at Legit. the time. Oh my goodness! Yes. Utah made a run. I mean, he was he you know he was a Pac-12 guy. People wanted him out of the Pac-12. Utah makes a run. BYU get that was a big time get at the time. But of course, that's happened to BYU. These big signing day you know uh, uh, you know excitements taper off as he goes on a mission. Then last year was the year he sits. There's some injury issues. So it's been a long time. So he's like, hey, that because that was a big time get when they got yeah, him. Yep. And I know he's only competing to maybe be the number three right now, but another 6'4 receiver with uh, just crazy high school numbers and someone that has kind of bided his time a little bit right now. So yeah, it's going to be a battle for the number three, but I think it'll be right there in that in that mix. There's about to be an AF pipeline at receiver, by the way. <laughs> Let's Seriously, go. There's a bunch Let's of go. He certainly has the capability, speaking of Chase Roberts, to surprise a lot of people in fall camp. But that's another one of our categories. So maybe Chase is the same answer for the category. If not, is there another guy that will surprise you that you think you expect to surprise people in fall camp? And, and, and not a surprise from the extent of he has no pedigree, but because he's a newcomer to the program, Gabe Judy Lally might be a guy Love that it. steps in and plays right away. I mean, we're talking about he was a starter in the SEC. Now it's Vanderbilt, program that is on its way, you know, trying to build from the bottom. But still, if you're a starting cornerback in the SEC, you've got some skills and some abilities that could translate. And, and so I think uh, the surprise would be um, that there are a lot of starts back at corner, right? I mean, you know, D'Angelo Mandel was locked in, and Caleb Hayes played most of the year at starting corner, and they're back. And there are a lot of starts in that secondary back. So can a guy come in and be good enough to knock someone off who was a starter and be a first-game guy? So that, that could be a, a potential surprise. A loaded group, a too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And PFF loved his coverage skills. They said he was one of the best in the SEC down the field. So that's yeah. awesome. Okay, uh, fall camp MVP. We're kind of taking Jaron out of it for obvious reasons. Oh, okay. Uh, if we're going to do that. Because <laughs> you, want, you want that guy to you be your MVP. You want that guy, yes. Uh, I'll go Pooka. Yeah. Uh, didn't have a camp last year, right? And we saw once he got going just how good he could be. But that was a slow start to the season. They were working him in because he gets a camp injury, and he was like basically an MIA in camp uh, for no, you know, through no fault of his own other than the fact that he was jacked up. So can you get Puka for a whole camp healthy? I think if you do, he's going to be showing up on all those daily Twitter highlight yes, videos from BYU exactly. football. The loudest highlights. And again, there are a lot of guys to look at, but because of, he, because of the fact he didn't have a camp last year, and I was so excited to see what he would do, that's kind of what I'm looking for this year is he gets a full camp and, and looks like you know, the take-the-top-off guy he really is. 805 yards with the slow ramp up. I yeah. think a thousand's within his grasp. Like he's a thousand yard if, if a guy. full season guy. Yeah. Yes, if he's a full season guy. Yeah. Yes. And and you know you know his running mate is, is the other guy you'd want to see have a really strong camp, and, mm -hmm. that's, and that's Gunnar Romney, because you know the only question with Gunnar has ever been you know durability and the ability to sustain. He, and he takes a lot of punishment. The way he plays, the way he plays the position, the way he lays out, the number of times he's on the ground making great catches. Um, he does get battered, but uh, can he have a healthy camp and a strong start to a season? If you started the year with a healthy Puka and a healthy Gunner, wow. uh, I mean, on the it's edges, on. it really is. Yeah. Yeah. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Before you go, and because the blue-white scrimmage is this Saturday night for BYU women's soccer. Yeah, it's going. we got to ask you about the number three preseason ranking. Yeah. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Let's you, go, you lose Michaela Coulihan and just a wealth of score. I mean, Cameron Tucker as well. Uh, you starting lose your keeper. starting keeper in, yeah. in Cassidy Smith. Like, 
Number three, what do you think of the number three preseason ranking given that BYU lost so much talent? Yeah, well, national runner-up, and yet a lot of pieces back. You do lose, like you just said, really key cogs. But what a, what a, what a great measure of respect for Jen and the fact that this isn't just um, – it, it's not just a team, it's a program. And they trust the program. Um, you know, they, they know that, that while those two main goal scorers are gone, uh, the cupboard's not bare. And, and ultimately, they believe that Jen is going to – you know, put another nationally prominent team on the pitch. And that's, that's tremendous respect at, at number three. It's so exciting. And it gets, starts this weekend, blue-white. Then they'll have some alumni action next week. Then on the road to North Carolina. Now, it won't count, count in the standings because it's technically an exhibition. But Carolina is going to play VCU and BYU in their two exhibitions. And these are legit matches. And one that hasn't really happened um, in, a, in, a, in a regular season or postseason setting for some time and BYU's first ever trip to Carolina. Mm. We'll find out pretty early where BYU stacks up with these you know, teams like Carolina, another top 10 yeah. team uh, as well. And I, 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 moving forward even a little bit more, um, this team that we're seeing this year will come back more or less intact next year, which is the first year of the Big 12. One senior. And it, it, they'll lose maybe one player off this year's team, right? <laughs> so that's the team they'll bring back for the first year of the Big 12. If you want to talk about which BYU program will be the first to win a Big 12 championship, you might be looking at it yeah. the, 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 at the seeds being sown this weekend. Yeah, Women's cross country might on the calendar play earlier just to get that nod. But yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think soccer takes the pitch first, so then cross country's meets start soon thereafter, yes. right? I just yeah. mean the championships. Where it comes yes. in the calendar. Yes. Yeah. Right. Both will win that first year potentially. Yeah. Which is wild because the WCC is actually a better league than the Big 12 in soccer. Yeah. Well, you could argue that. Yeah. 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 They put like two teams in the tournament last year. It's yeah. like two. We put two in the final four. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Come on. All right, Greg. Great stuff. You bet. Fall camp is back. Thanks for hanging out with us. Let's go. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. All right, with the latest pro football focus, top 25 player ratings, and uh, five Cougars listed on those, by the way. I think Ryan Rico would have been listed a punter had they done punters. He would have been top five. But I digress. Not to mention NFL draft projections with Jaron Hall and Blake Freeland as high as first round, not to mention others. And a host of returners. We are compelled to discuss the following today, Jason. Should this BYU offense be elite? Um, yes. And it's not just because of one publication's, you know, idea of what they think BYU should be graded at. It's not just what Pro Football Focus has today in ranking five players, you know, in their top 25 at their positions. It is a combination of a lot of things. As you mentioned, it's draft projections on where some of these guys are expected to be, not just high draft picks, first-round draft picks. And there could be multiple first-round draft picks in the upcoming NFL draft for BYU football. It's also having an understanding of not just the production that comes back, but when you're talking about the talent combined with the production and what we've seen out of this offensive scheme. And, and I, I've been hounding this for the last year or so. What we've seen now under Aaron Roderick as the offensive coordinator, the system is in place. You're not trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And maybe let's try this. Now there's, there's certain, there's things within a game or within a season that you, you add to the mix. 
But the scheme for what Aaron Roderick wants this offense to look like is in place. It's been in place for more than a season. You've now had success in multiple seasons. So the fact that you have a system that has proven to, to be successful, that you have talent and production that can come back and run said system, yes, everything points to this offense being elite this year. You will not find bigger fans of Aaron Roderick than the two people on this desk right now. The last two years since A-Rod was the public offensive coordinator. Correct. He was the not public primary play caller from Boise State on, with the exception, I believe, of San Diego State and Hawaii. Those were given back uh, for those two games. Uh, BYU is 21-4. How does that sound? That sounds nice, right? Top 25 finishes in back-to-back years. Incredible, right? Second pick in the draft, Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen, this offense, Jaron Hall, and so forth. We know what's going on. I think BYU's got a great shot at being elite this year offensively. How would I quantify that? I don't know, top 10 and a lot of things that matter. Let's look at some next-level stuff. A lot of people will give you points per game, yards per game. That doesn't take into tempo, into account tempo or more advanced metrics. Let's look at a couple of numbers that really stick out from last year, in my opinion, that tell you kind of what BYU could be again. So, Pressure rate allowed. How good's the O-line? Fourth in the country, 18% in pressure rate allowed. Amazing. Explosive play rate. Are you getting down the field? Seventh in the country, 15% of the time. Yards per play, one of the simplest metrics, but one that's important. Eighth in the country, 6.8 yards above. It helped that Tyler Algier was the running back, okay? Let's, let's not, uh, you know, dismiss that. Yards per pass attempt tell you how explosive you're going to be. 8.8, fantastic. You want to be north of eight in that. If you're, if you're in the high eights, you're in business. Third down conversions. Are you moving the sticks? 18th. Projected 13th in SP+. These tell us what BYU could be again. Because you lose Tyler Algier, you lose Samson Nakua. But that's about it, dog. You bring a lot of people back, which is very exciting. It starts with the O-line. you got to have a great quarterback. BYU's got both of those. Like, great quarterback and great O-line, which is so exciting. Also, EPA expected points added in both pass and run plays last year. Eighth. Eighth. BYU is, is great in these, and they could be again. Obviously a tough schedule. If BYU's in the top 20, I'm super happy, obviously, because of sort of how much weight you're putting on that bar with this schedule. But BYU's got a legit chance to be one of the best offenses it has had in a long time. All they have to do is keep doing what they've yep. been doing the last two years. Yep. Well, and look, and I'm not naive enough to think that, obviously – BYU is playing some really, really good teams. Yep. And you mentioned the schedule and all of the opponents that are on it. This is a formidable schedule that BYU is playing, to say the very least. I think ultimately, though, what will determine whether or not this team reaches elite status offensively is something that, unfortunately, you just can't predict, and that's injuries. And hopefully that is not something that comes up this year. Yeah. It's something that teams have to deal with. You never know when it's going to pop up. And when it happens, you just do the best that you can to move on. But if this team can stay healthy or relatively healthy at the key positions on offense, then BYU absolutely has a chance to put up some big numbers on the offensive side of the football. Christopher Brooks is a massive variable in this conversation. We're expecting him to be a very good player. Pro Football Focus putting him in the top 25 at number 23 among running backs in the country. We're assuming he's going to be really good. Yes. If he is, we're in business. If he's not, there's, there's trouble. But the O-line's so good and Jaron Hall's so good that I think the pressure's not on him to be great per se. Although if he's great, now we're talking, right? 
Um, and, and to have five guys in the top 25 is awesome. Now, it, it's been rare to go into a season like this, Shep, with a quarterback and uh, an offensive lineman that, that are as highly touted as Jaron Hall and Blake Freeland are. In fact, I think if BYU has a good season, not even great, both these guys are getting drafted next year. I agree with not that. Not to mention Clark Barrington, yeah. which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In the modern draft era, that is the seven-round era, not the like, 20 or 11 or whatever. You always had a quarterback and an offensive tackle specifically taken in the same draft just twice. You go back to 95, Eli Herring, not going to play on Sunday, and John Walsh, and then Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen in 21. It is rare to have what we have going into this season. Think about it, especially that left tackle, of course. The blind side made famous this position. Um, and, and so did independent study with BYU in, <laughs> in that story in the blind side. Is here we are with Blake Freeland and Jaron Hall, and that equals something very special going into this year. Well, and the fact that it goes to what we were speaking of over the last couple of years with this scheme under Roderick, if it happens this year, then you're talking about two out of the three years under this scheme where that is the end goal, or excuse me, the end result. Yeah. It, it speaks, it, it sort of reemphasizes what we've said that the talent is coming into the program. And the scheme is fitting the talent. The talent is fitting the scheme, and it's working. If Jaron Hall is going to be a first-round pick, he's got to be healthy this year. Yep. Like, he's got to start every game, um, probably. Because you don't want to go into that year going, well, okay, we, we've, we've seen some real injuries. That's something that is somewhat it, – it, like, injuries are not a thing you can completely control, obviously. Hopefully, Jaron's healthy this year. Jacob Conover's got to be ready. Cade Fennigan is going to press Jacob Conover for that backup spot as well. That's a storyline to watch here in, in, uh, in fall camp, which begins on Thursday. I'm super excited about it because, obviously, Jaron Hall took care of the ball so well last year. The most underrated piece of last year was Jaron Hall's ability to not turn it over and to complete the ball down the field. Like, he took care of the rock, man. And now we have this awesome offensive line. Great receivers with Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney leading the way. Hopefully Puka has a great year. He's probably gone after this year as well as a fourth-year guy. Let's go, man. Let's go. This offense is perhaps the most exciting offense going into a season we've seen in all of independence. Maybe you have to go back to 09 to feel this excited. Maybe 2014, you're walking in with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams and that crew, and uh, that, that, was, that was an exciting season as well. But, man, let's go, man. Okay, our question of the day. And before we get to that, fall camp starts Thursday. But what is coming up in how many days again? Countdown to the Bulls. 32 days. A Jimmer's worth left until we see Jerry Bohannon and the South Florida, not Aggies, the Bulls. Jerry, don't call me Gary Bohannon. I've been told that's a Dennis Pitt is worth. Although when we did the countdown numerically last year, we did not include Dennis as number 32. Just to point that out. Disappointed as children, I recall that. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The new Big 12 ain't messing around. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News tweeted 2019 average attendance numbers for the Pac-12 and Big 12. 
on the Big 12 Twitter account. The official one responded with a graphic showing the percent of capacity numbers in response. Here's John Wilner's tweet. Okay. okay. And then the Big 12 actually quote tweeted this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> with numbers comparing them. Will the Big 12 be this aggressive in actual expansion, Spencer? <laughs> Uh, I have no reason to believe they won't be. After everything that's happened over the past few weeks, Why the open for business commentary, and we're not sure if we're shopping there in response by George Klyovkov and the Pac-12. Yes, you can expect very aggressive social media maneuvering from the Twitter and Instagram accounts of well, the conferences. Does the social media activity reflect the league's same aggression? In a way, I believe it does. We hope it does. I believe it does. We hope it does. I don't think Brett Yormark and anybody in the Big 12 office would be okay with not okaying a tweet like that. It's not okaying every tweet, but yeah. Like that one, whoa! Like, yeah. The, the big bosses here aren't okaying every BYU Sports no, Nation tweet, right? Touche, yeah, but yeah. given the public like eye that has been placed on that specific thing. I'm guessing Brett liked it given yes, it's open for business. Exactly, comments. exactly right. <laughs> I'm here for it, man. It's very, very oh, it's entertaining. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, let's stay with the Big 12. Championship game, as we noted, will be played in AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys through 2025. How many games will BYU play in AT&T Stadium from December of this year through 2025 in the Big 12 championship game? Yeah, we won't be playing it uh, this year, uh, but hopefully one time in 24 or 25. 23 will be a rebuild, I think, to some degree for BYU and transition year. But it, one time in 24 or 25 would be awesome. Once. BYU's going to play in AT&T Stadium once in the first three years. That's going to happen. Maybe it's 2025. Uh, and when Texas and Oklahoma, Texas and Oklahoma are gone. There's more opportunity. Perhaps. Right? Maybe yeah. it's 2025 and Perhaps. BYU's had a chance to build again with a different quarterback. Maybe that quarterback is Jacob Conover and he's Perhaps. a senior. Maybe. Michael Felder from BetMGM tweets, if BYU can get to double-digit wins again, they should be in the discussion for the playoff. Whoa. Is 10 wins enough to get the Cougars in the playoff discussion? That's some serious respect for the 2022 schedule, uh, but no. Now, I do believe that with the difficulty of the schedule and playing so many returning conference champs and, guys, and teams picked to win their conferences this year, if BYU is 10-2 and two at the end of the regular season, this schedule will carry more weight than last year's schedule, I believe. So I think that the teams will, will prove to be more challenging. We hope that okay. what happened last year... Well, here's the thing. It's two-sided. BYU wins more of these if these teams aren't as good as we thought, right? Like last year, if all those... if some of those Pac-12 teams are like way better. Maybe BYU drops a couple. Well, maybe but, BYU beat the Pac-12 champion head to head. Right, but also played a close game with a five and seven USC team. Like you just go and win as much as possible. The, yeah, this You're year. You're 10 and two? This year 10 and two should not get you in the playoff discussion. But New, New Year's, Year's six, six, yes. Yeah, especially if one of those wins is Notre Dame. New Year's, exactly like, right. Like, I would rather beat Notre Dame and lose to at Boise State than I would beat Boise State and lose to Notre Dame. BYU, that sense? BYU could lose to, let's say, they lose to Notre Dame and at they Oregon. lose at Oregon, but they they beat Baylor and they beat Arkansas. They win at Boise State. I would rather have a Notre Dame win than... I, any, I understand. Yeah, like, that 10-2, it's, it's, you would think it will carry more credibility because you've got to win over an SEC team and you've got to win over the team that's picked to win the Big 12 more and Baylor. More variety than just the Pac-12. Yes. Yeah. Though, BYU does need I'll to win both Pac-12 games so that they can keep 
the Pac-12 South Championship banner Oregon rolling. Stanford, yeah, right. we need to hang that again if they go 2-0 this year. Just hang it now. <laughs> Why not? Zach Wilson, listen to this, went 8-for-8 eight eight passing with two touchdowns in a New York Jets practice yesterday, team drills, on his birthday no less. Which is the better perfect Zach performance? The 18-for-18 18 18 Idaho Potato Bowl performance or his 8-for-8 birthday practice as an NFL quarterback? Uh, 8-for-8 in a practice is not something I care too much about, although that's great. 18-for-18 uh, 18 18 in a game is super legit. So I'll go the famous Idaho Potato yes, Bowl. absolutely. Uh, it's a game, and it's 10 more passes attempted and 10 more passes completed. We're not talking about practice. We're talking about We're a talking game. talking about an actual this is a, game. This is and, a reverse. And he was a freshman, Jerem. Yes. He was a freshman. Yes. He was wearing number 11 because he yes, was a he freshman. Was wearing number 11. He the, just wear, 11 the rare number 11, play. Zach Wilson. Oh, Levy Hippo with the juke. ESPN college football analyst Fran Fraschilla tweeted, it's time for college basketball to adopt 24-second shot clock. Is it time for college basketball to adopt a 24-second shot clock? I'm fine with a 30-second shot clock. If they want to take it to 24 seconds, great. Fine, yeah, speed up the game. That, that's fine, but as long as it's a 30, I'm good. 30 is fast enough to me. 30-second shot clock is fast enough to me. It doesn't have to go all the way to 24, but hey, speed, speed up the game, great, yeah. I'd be cool at 24, because what it eliminates is two more dribble handoffs in the league. Okay. I'd be okay. That impacts BYU heavily based on what BYU did last year. Yeah, but they can evolve. Okay. Big Game Boomer is back in the Cougar Whip around. This morning they posted a Welcome list of back. the best college mascots entering the 2022 season. Cosmo, shockingly, in at number three behind Auburn's Abby, the Tiger, of course. Abby the Tiger's one? And Puddles the Duck at Oregon. Well, I just said the Duck. It's Puddles. it's Puddles. His name is Puddles. Yeah, he has a name and a blood. Okay, so the fact that Puddles didn't show up on the list now takes away all credibility. Yeah. So Cosmo uh, should be one. Cosmo's number one. We saw we saw in the mascot challenge during the COVID breakdown. And, like, and we've seen Cosmo dance. And we've seen Cosmo dunk from the three-point line. Obviously, we're biased here. We work for Brigham. Cosmo is Cosmo's number one. The greatest mascot number in one. the history of this or any other planet. Okay, ESPN has the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. ESPN the Deuce has cornhole. They've mm -hmm. now added the USA Mullet Championship to its programming lineup. <laughs> what should BYU TV look into adding into our sports programming? I have so many questions before I even answer this. <laughs> how do you How do you judge a compete mullet? with your mullet? Like, do they have like, how does your hair flow in the wind? Uh, the length, how does the it, curl. How does it compare like, to your how? head size? <laughs> do you have a mustache <laughs> slash beard? How long did it Is take? it curly? To grow the mullet, like, are all oh, those things genetics? considered? Well, uh, I, also, I just learned the Orioles beat the Rangers 6-3. Congratulations. Oh, and apparently our social media team has put something together. So I'm a little, oh boy. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Mine looks, dude, yours is legit. Mine looks you got amazing like, and so gross. You got like your frothy curl <laughs> on your right side there. <laughs> That is mine, mine wow. looks like uh, something out of uh, East. What is it? Eastbound and down. Yeah, that's just that's just wow, <laughs> wow. That's Ooh. great. I apologize for everyone well, that had to look at that. The spirit of the safety zone resides here in uh, Studio C. We're not, we're not rocking the. Uh, uh, I didn't answer the question. Um, if we had to add some on BYU TV, they're doing mullets. Can we do a green Jello eating contest? Uh, I'll go a crock pot challenge. I think. Uh, <laughs> 
That's on brand? The Crock-Pot crock Challenge? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't wait for the show. Delicious. Coming to BYU TV's lineup in the spring of 2023, the Crock-Pot Challenge. The Big 12 era will feature Crock-Pot Challenge. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan alongside Jason Shepard. We now welcome to the program the editor-in-chief of College Football on The Athletic, co-host of the Audible Podcast. His name is Stuart Mandel. Back on the program. Stuart, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Great to have you. Thanks for having me back. Well, luckily, uh, July and August gave us nothing of interest in uh, college football. Uh, yet, we're going to talk to you. Just kidding. Conference realignment, obviously, the talk of everybody. So what's kind of the latest? What are you hearing uh, and what are you putting out relative to what's going on, especially after Pac-12 Media Days? Pac-12 uh, Media Days was certainly, uh, certainly interesting. Um, I think the next milestone is going to be the Big Ten TV deal, which is supposed to be finalized here in the next couple weeks. And we know it's going to be for a you know un ungodly amount of money, um, but the more important thing and the ripple effect it'll have on the rest of uh, on on the other conferences and and first up the Pac-12 is who loses out on the Big Ten on the Big Ten deal because that's who's going to be most invested in the Pac-12 and then eventually the Big 12. Um, you know we're hearing well, Fox is already their part of it is already set. Uh, will CBS get a game? Get that 3:30 game? Uh, will ESPN still be a part of it or not? Um, will there be a streaming partner? So we're waiting on that. And then I think once that becomes official, then the Pac-12 TV deal comes to the forefront. And uh, it's crazy that we're about to start the season. We're sitting here talking about TV deals and Nielsen ratings and whatnot. But that is what really is at the, fo at the focal point of realignment. Well, and Stuart, I mean, look, media days in years past have always been about, well, let's see, who's picked to win this conference and who's expected to be good and who, who's that team that maybe is the sleeper team. Nobody's talking about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter which conference media day we were talking about. Nobody was focused on where the teams were expected to finish. It was all about other stuff. How different has this been trying to cover this over the last couple of years? Yeah, I hate to say it, but you know, I was at Pac-12 on Friday, and and I feel bad. I didn't interview a single coach or player while I was there. Um, <laughs> I had some. I, I didn't. I, I was spent the entire time focused on you know what happens next for the Pac-12, and and uh, and I, I I wasn't at any others this year. Certainly, my colleagues were, um, but I think it was similar. Now, I think that's a shame for the athletes. This is they're not making realignment decisions. They're not even going to be playing in these, in, you know, whatever configuration of these new uh, conference lineups are, this is their chance to, to, to be in the spotlight. Um, but Hey, that's <laughs> the people in power are the ones that, that created this dynamic, the big 10 making this move that they did. Um, you know, this isn't their problem, but you know, PAC 12 media days was already scheduled for Los Angeles of all places. And, uh, <laughs> and so obviously that became, I mean, I was focused more on what's the next step, but there were obviously a lot of LA media there that were focused on USC and UCLA. So, um, yeah, just just either being there or watching from afar. I think the commissioners who each give their kind of State of the Union address have gotten way more attention. There, what they've said has gotten the lion's share of attention as a rather than um, the coaches and the players. 
It's like people forgot Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams uh, went from uh, Oklahoma know, to right? It's like, oh, yeah, those guys. We're talking to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. You talked about the dominoes in the next step of these uh, uh, potential conference realignment. Uh, with the Big Ten deal, if they really wanted Oregon and Washington in that league, they would have invited them already, it feels like, because if they're locking up that TV deal, they would have got them. Are they going to do uh, a deal that's longer than, say, five to seven years, or will the door still be open for Oregon and Washington later? Because it feels like that's where we're at. Like, what's going to happen with them that then affects the Pac-12, that then affects the Big 12? Uh, given the success that, that the strategy Jim Delaney you know, did last time with the short-term deal, I would assume they'll do another short-term deal. Now, that doesn't preclude them from adding teams. The, if at any point Notre Dame calls and says we're in, they're in, yeah. right? They'll they'll adjust the TV deal accordingly. But from what I've been told, Fox is not going to pay a dollar more for Oregon, Washington, Stanford, or Cal, you know, some of these schools that have been mentioned. So I'm of the opinion that none of that is imminent. Um, but because Kevin Warren kind of left it open-ended in his comments at Big Ten Media, he didn't get up there and say, we're, we're, we're 16, we're done. He said, sure, there could be more expansion in the future. Then because of that, there's just going to be this, I feel bad that you know, some of these schools are going to live in constant, uh, maybe indefinite um, uncertainty about, hey, when are they going to make the next move? When are they going to make the next move? But I agree with you. If they wanted Oregon, Washington, they would have announced that at the same time as the LA schools. One of the big storylines coming out of the Pac-12 media days was the, uh, the defiant tone um, from uh, Commissioner Klyovkov towards the Big 12. And obviously, you know, this, this is not the first time those two conferences have sort of been pitted against each other. What do you make of, I don't know if you say perceived rivalry, because it really does feel like there's a rivalry. What do you make of this back and forth between the Big 12 and the Pac-12? To me, it feels like, um, look, the Big Ten and the SEC are the ones in charge, and we know that, and they each weakened those two conferences. And what I think is unfortunate is rather than, you know, kind of teaming together uh, and, and going up against the bad guys, if you will, they've turned on each other. Um, and that's a direct product of, you know, Brett Yormark, the new Big 12 commissioner, hey, we're open for business. And he's not hiding the fact that he's going to come after those Pac-12 schools. And, you know, we've since through reporting ascertained that that's exactly what they've been doing. They've been, pers- uh, mem- not just the commissioner, but people on behalf of Big 12 schools have been reaching out to people on behalf of Pac-12 schools. And then I talk to people in the Pac-12 and they say, why would we do that? We, we don't have any interest in that. We're focused on the 10, uh, keeping the 10 together and seeing what we can do. So, um, yes, I expected him to be defiant. I ne- didn't necessarily expect him to, to throw out that line about we haven't decided if we're going to go shopping there yet or not. Um, people, I've, since then, people have said, why is he so mad at them? Why isn't he mad at the Big Ten? Well, he's mad at the Big Ten, but it's like that ship has sailed. Um, there's nothing he can do about that now, but he can and is trying to keep the Ten together. And the Big 12 uh, is the conference kind of making the most noise about trying to steal away some of their members. What's more likely to you that, uh, you know, San Diego State or, and or somebody else gets in the mix in expansion to either of the, uh, the conferences, the Pac-12 or the Big 12, or that the Big 12 actually gets uh, a couple members of the Pac-12? You know, I, I know this is not a popular opinion in, in Big 12 land, but I don't see any of the Pac-12 schools going to the Big 12 for several reasons. But the most pertinent one is the, big, the Pac-10, Pac-12 media deal is up first. So for them to go to the Big 12, they would not, they would have to do so kind of on blind faith. 
they won't know for a couple of years what the big next big 12 media deal is worth. Uh, so I think they will go ahead and sign the, the Pac-12 deal before then. In terms of San Diego State, I mean, the two I hear the most for the Pac-12 are San Diego State and SMU. Um, but it's not obvious that they would necessarily raise their media value. And obviously, this is going to be a smaller contract to begin with than what they would have hoped for with USC and UCLA. And I don't think they're going to um, knowingly cause their own share of, you know, their own share to go from 10 to 12. So uh, the more likely thing to me, but it's still not very likely, is that the Pac-12 makes another run at a couple of the big 12 schools. Um, but but even that, I, you know, I'm talking 5%, 10% chance. That's, that's if the Pac-12 is even interested in going back down that road. You know, Stuart, it's interesting because in terms of the G5, now, now that BYU and the other schools that are joining the, the Big 12 are, are into that P5 level, you know, San Diego State really is that school that gets talked about as making the next jump. The other school that you would think would be on the same plane but isn't being talked about is Boise State. Is Boise, I mean, uh, they're in real trouble right now, aren't they, in terms of like a, a, a step up to somewhere else? It, I don't, I don't see either of the two conferences, at least for right now, you know, looking at Boise State. And I'm wondering from their perspective, if they're looking around and going, man, what in the world do we have to do? Yeah, and, and look, the part I hate about realignment is talking about academics. What do I know? <laughs> I'm, sure you can get a perfectly, I'm sure you can get a perfectly good education at Boise State, just like you can at a lot of places. So I want to make clear, I'm, uh, this is not my personal opinion, but I've always heard that the uh, both of those leagues um, don't think Boise State is good enough academically. Take that for what it's worth. Um, there was a time before Texas and Oklahoma that, I mean, do you remember, I think it was 2020, that um, somebody did a public records request and there were emails from Brian Harson, coach at Boise State at the time, to his own AD and president, begging them to get them out of the Mountain West. <laughs> um, and, and the main, way, the main um, opportunity at that time was to go to the AAC. Uh, that didn't happen, and now the AAC is not, you know, it's kind of a shell of what it would have been after losing the programs it did to the Big 12. So, no, I think Boise State's best option is still in uh, the Mountain West, um, and they've got to kind of hope that the Pac-12 doesn't uh, step in and, and take some of the top programs from the Mountain West. Ryan Harson got out. He just got out to the tune of uh, many millions of dollars at Auburn. Uh, <laughs> so that's where he got it. We're talking to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. Uh, let's get a BYU question in here. Crazy. Uh, BYU's walking into a season with a lot of returners, probably a preseason top 25 team, a good schedule. What do you think of the Cougars in 2022? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, last year when they weren't bringing many people back, expectations were very low and they greatly exceeded them. Now they do have a lot of guys coming back and the expectations are going to be higher and can they live up to them? And I certainly think it starts with Jaron Hall um, having a, an experienced, talented quarterback like that. Um, you know, arguably the most important uh, factor. I'm interested to see what they do at running back. I'm really familiar with Christopher Brooks, formerly Christopher Brown, because I'm here in the Bay Area. And I think he's really talented. He never had a, necessarily a huge season at Cal. Is that because of his own, you know, kind of ceiling? Or is that because Cal's offense, to be blunt, stunk the whole time he was there and, and didn't necessarily help do him any favors? So the fact that Kalani Sataki has said, uh, that he's probably their number one running back. I'm really, that's something that really interests me to see what kind of production he can have um, playing in a better offense. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now, our second guest of the day, and a man in his own way equally as busy as the head football coach, Kalani Satake. His name is Josh Hewitt. He's the new director of football equipment operations at BYU. Josh, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for having me. What is today like, and for that matter, this time of year like for you and your equipment staff? Uh, this time of year is the busiest for us. I think the um, month of July when coaches are off is our busy time. We're preparing everything for this day, for tomorrow, day one of practice, um, just getting ready, getting the guys taken care of. Walk us through the distribution strategy this fall camp. So we're going to, instead of doing one big one to start a fall camp, we're going to kind of spread it out, um, kind of do multiple throughout fall camp with the same amount of gear. I, obviously, they're getting a fair amount of gear throughout the year, so kind of spacing it out to um, make it last longer, you know, to have that effect of each piece that we want to do, give it a better uh, its chance to shine and stuff like that. Yeah, I've, I've always loved this idea. I've always loved the idea of uh, a Christmas that lasts like two weeks or there's just like a present yeah. a day for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so I think this is brilliant. Season. Yeah, brilliant on your part to do that. Um, you take I care call, of oh, – go ahead. I call them pick-me-ups to, yeah. you know, day five, six, or seven of camp. Uh, you get another piece type thing and brings the spirits up of the players too. For sure. Now you're taking care of all of these guys. Josh, who takes care of you? My wife. She's the <laughs> all the food managers over last night. She's got the three girls at home and preparing for the whole day. And I get a text message at 520. Uh, when are you planning on coming home? So definitely my wife, Paige. She's the one that uh, runs everything. Hey, we can sympathize with that text, man. We get it. We <laughs> Where are you? Athletics. I have a game tonight. Uh, that we talked about <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of uh, the amount of gear and the amount of swag and all this, in the Big 12, is it going to be the same amount BYU has been distributing, which has been a great amount with an awesome elite Nike deal, or does it go up uh, as BYU continues to get more TV revenue and overall bigger budgets? I think we obviously always want to push for more, but obviously what we do have is quite a bit. So anything we can do to make that player experience what it is, we're going to do. Director of Football Equipment Operations, Josh Hewitt, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Josh, I'm going to ask you to be a mobile reporter of sorts right now and just give us an idea of the behind the scenes, what you're yeah. seeing, what it, what it looks like right now uh, in the staffing room and in the equipment room. So you got the – all the student managers working on uh, some of the distribution for the day. What's up, boys? So, hey, the the boys are telling you guys hi. Hi. <laughs> so these are uh, kind of some stuff that they're getting day one. Uh, the players' cubbies are kind of filled right now at this point um, with the day one stuff that they're getting today. So, it's beautiful. It really is. And uh, okay, yeah. how off? How often? Uh, do you guys, uh, does someone come to you and go, Hey, I put on a lot of weight in the off season. I'm like super strong now. I'm not an XL. I'm a two X. How often do you deal luckily, with that kind of thing? Uh, we deal with it a lot, but luckily we just implemented a new, uh, track like system to monitor sizes and stuff like that. So they were all just issued to fill out their sizes. So I hope that we're, uh, kind of eliminating that for the start of fall camp. What's the biggest shoe size that you have to order for any member of the BYU football team? And who is it? Size 17. Peter Falonico is a size 17 right now. 
Peter Falaniku, a transfer offensive lineman. Is it hard to find a size 17 cleat? Is that it? Is that the one? <laughs> Holy cow. That's one. <laughs> 17. Look at the size of that shoe in relation to your head. That's incredible. <laughs> Holy cow. That's a wow. massive, massive shoe. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Um, wanted to ask you about uniforms. Obviously, people are excited about that. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the process like? from your end of deciding what the uniforms are and how and when do you plan on releasing those? So it'll be released weekly. We're still in that planning phase of it, um, getting what we want to wear each week. But I think it's going to be a Monday morning uh, type release every week, hopefully, is what we're shooting for. That's exciting. And obviously Notre Dame's wearing the white with gold. So is it safe to assume, you don't have to say, well, unless you want to, which shade of uh, blue, but BYU's probably going to wear a blue, either Royal or Navy, against Notre Dame? Uh, well, I'm excited. We're still in that process of uh, figuring out what we are going to wear, but definitely going to have some blue in it. Fantastic. Josh, we appreciate the time, man. Good luck to you and your staff through fall camp, and we appreciate all you do for BYU football. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it. The director of football equipment operations, hey, Josh Hewitt. That was great. Just walking around, showing it in size 17. Just hanging out. A size 17 clip. Hey, the pandemic stunk for a gajillion reasons, we all know. But what it taught us is we can just go on Zoom and just wherever you get a cell, cell signal. Access. Take us in. Access is world, everything. Which is awesome. So that's exciting. Um, yes, safe to assume it'll have blue in it against Notre Dame. I love the, I I love the idea. Or a Navy For sure. Right? Yeah. For sure. We don't know which one. I kind of want it to be all royal because Navy is part of Notre Dame's scheme. I would like that, yeah. So I kind of want like it to just that. be royal, like that pop, you, royal pop. If you said all royal most of the time, I'd be like, yeah, I love that. Sure. There's yeah, so many uniform it. combinations for BYU now. It's so exciting. Last year was so fun. Can't wait for it. Obviously, like a different approach from Josh than Billy doesn't mean it's bad. I, yeah. I, the idea of sort of more distributed, more evenly throughout camp, throughout the season. But the Monday morning thing mm-hmm. with the unis, it's going to be nice. Now, I... They went all in on white, royal, and navy last year in the combination of those three colors. The black uniforms are still there somewhere. I oh, wonder. I, I would love, I wonder. I love black as an alternate for BYU. I wonder if that will make its way back into the color scheme because a, be lot, a lot of fans are clamoring for it. And frankly, the players are clamoring for it. So I wonder if like, that will make its way back in. Like, I, I, we've joked about it for a long time, the bibs. Like, if BYU did a one-game bib. <laughs> I would love it. One. I game. would love it. One. I'm not saying two. I'm saying one. But would the NCAA even allow it? Because they outlawed that thing. <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> things were, those things are terrible. It's a competitive <laughs> advantage, is it? It's not, so ugly, the, the opponent can't stop staring you know at it. how many recruits we lost <laughs> after that? You know, like 2,000 goes 6-6 six and because six of the bibs. I'm just kidding. It was injured. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Training camp, or fall camp, even though it's technically summer for another seven weeks. But regardless, training camp for BYU football feels like it's underway today. They get the swag, they report, practices begin tomorrow. So, Jeremy, it feels like the appropriate time to ask you, what is your biggest storyline going into the 2022 edition of Camp Kalani? 
First uh, thought is, is, is BYU as good as we think they are? Yeah. Here's the deal, though. With fall camp, it's very exciting. First five, four days, they don't have pads. Even when they do have pads, they're not trying to crush each other and get hurt. Kalani Stake's priority has always been, hey, we, our number one priority is we've got to stay healthy. Obviously, get ready for the season. But uh, fall camp is exciting for me because, yes, we see the stars out there, but we know certain things about this team already. What I'm more interested in is, are, are questions that mostly cannot be answered until you play games. Mm-hmm. And Robert and I um, you know, t- once told us uh, when we asked, how, long do you, how many games do you have to play before you know what you have? He goes, about six. Man, half the it, season. It takes a while, right? So what I look for in, uh, in, in fall camp, and I'll tell you some of my other storylines after you answer, is who's cracking the two deep that maybe we aren't talking about? Who's, who's going to play more than we think and that we need to be familiar with? That's what I like looking at in fall camp the most. The advantage that BYU football has this go-around, at least in my opinion, is that just maybe the coaching staff doesn't have to wait six games to find out who they really are because they bring back the core of who they were last year. So maybe that's an expedited time frame, which would be to BYU's advantage. Maybe it's only two or three games to really figure out who BYU is and specifically the top storyline in my mind, which is that running game. Because the biggest change on the BYU's uh, on BYU's offense is clearly Christopher Brooks replacing Tyler Algier. And then the addition of Houston Haymooley, who's the graduate, you know, transferring from Stanford to BYU. So that new look backfield behind a very, very established and what we think is outstanding offensive line, what will that bring to BYU football? That is my biggest question mark. And again, as you pointed out, we don't really know the answers to these things until BYU starts to play actual football games yes but it's fun to think about and and yes Christopher Brooks is a huge question absolutely I agree um and yeah through three games we're gonna know a lot because we're gonna see Baylor and Oregon uh in game two and three like can BYU run the ball effectively? Tyler Algier saved BYU's bacon multiple times. Like, obviously, the O-line factors in it and the receivers on the edge. But Virginia, like, U- Washington State, U- Utah. <laughs> Utah State and Washington State specifically. Utah State. This man won the game. Like, I, I hope it doesn't come down to, hey, Christopher Brooks, welcome to Provo. Oh, by the way, you need to win us a couple games. Hopefully it's not that. Hopefully Jaron Hall continues to evolve. Jaron Hall needs to throw for 3K. He needs to throw for 30 touchdowns, right? He needs to get to that level. He needs to be healthy. He needs to start every game, okay? That's, that's the thing for Jaron. But we're not going to know, like, if the O-line is as great as we think they are until they play. Mm. So in, in fall camp, here's a couple other things uh, I was thinking about. Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely, how do they look? How healthy are they? How effective are they? Are they, as, are they who we thought they were and we let them off the hook, Denny Green? Who's the backup quarterback? This is always a fun one. I think Jacob Conover walks in as the number two. We'll ask Kalani Stock. The most popular guy on campus Absolutely. is the backup quarterback. Absolutely. Kate <laughs> Fennigan is going to challenge Jacob Conover for number two. We'll, we'll see who the number two guy is because we've seen over the uh, 11 independent seasons for BYU, only two quarterbacks get through completely unscathed. Completely unscathed. That's okay? wild. Which is Taysom Hill 2013 and Zach Wilson 2020. That's it. Turned out well for Zach Wilson in 2020. Yes, it did. And Taysom Hill, I think, is still in the NFL. Christopher Brooks, uh, RB1, as you mentioned. Third receiver. Seems like it's going to be Keanu Hill. Obviously, Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney, top two. Looks like Keanu's going to be that number three. Yeah. Is Cody Epps a guy who's in the top kind of four or five? Is Chase Roberts working Is Chase Roberts in the Is there anybody else? Braden Cosper is back from an injury in fall camp last year. Who are the receivers, right? Other safety with Malik Moore. 
who's the other starter, right? I'm interested to see that. Because Micah Harper has moved mm-hmm. uh, from corner to safety and was a massive piece of the 2020 team, the only freshman that really played on defense significant time. And now Jacob Robinson, who had three picks, two of which were, like, unbelievable, moves from, to corner in kind of a nickel spot. So what impact did those guys have in the second? Maybe game? it's George Udo. Maybe it's George Udo. We've heard a lot about George. It's time for George to be the guy, right? Or a guy. D-line, what's that group? Ton of experience in that group. What, how much better can they get? And then Jake Oldroyd's health is always a question mark, right? How's the back? Who's the more valuable kicker in that room? Jake Oldroyd or Ryan Rico? Good question. Good question. Both it's good are, to have a wealth of talent there. Like, if Jake's healthy, he's as good as Ryan as a punter. Like, we saw Jake in the first half of 2019. We saw him in 2020 blasting, like, a frozen ball in December against San Diego State for 50-plus yards before the half. Like, BYU's got a lot of weapons. I don't see us getting the answer to those, like, eight questions or whatever until they play games for the most part. But I am interested in seeing, okay, when the ones go out on defense – Who's the strong safety, yeah. right? Who's the number two strong safety? Like, I love that. Also, the memorization of the numbers as well. It's like, who's 63? By the end of fall camp, my goal is to have everybody One to 99 memorized. memorized. Yeah, just to know. On both sides of the ball? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, that way, when the season starts, you're like, so-and-so runs out there. You're not like, who is that? <laughs> yeah. The dude wearing number 48 that doesn't have a name on yes. his back. <laughs> Oh, I know who that oh, is. Yeah, that's that one walk-on. <laughs> but even defensive line, like there are guys like John Nelson and Blake Mangelson who are coming into the mix, who are joining this very experienced group with Tyler Batty and Atunai Samahe and Lorenzo Faltea back Caden in Caden Hawes. Caden Hawes in the middle, right? Um, so it, it's an exciting time to kind of figure out who is BYU beyond the stars, right? And obviously we get paid to know this, but to share that with you and see what we're seeing at camp. So it, the reason I chose the running game is based on something that I learned from Aaron Roderick, and that is that BYU now has the option to, to roll out a formation that some of you football savants have never seen at BYU. Literally two tight ends, two fullbacks, and a running back with no wide receivers. Oh, that'd be interesting. Two tight ends with Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker. Then you've got two fullbacks with Mason Wake and Houston Hamwilly. 22 personnel. And Christopher Brooks in the backfield. And a quarterback and no wide receivers. BYU no now has receivers. that option if they so choose to. And do. they're just crazy tight. Maybe it's power run no, game. No one's wide. But then you can flex out two very, very valuable tight ends, not to mention a couple of decent pass catchers right. in Mason Wake and Houston Haymooley. So you have the defense guessing. I'm very excited to see the new little twists that BYU and specifically the offense and Coach Roderick put in based on the new personnel that they bring in. That could be a super unique formation. Is it as unique as Michigan lining all up in a single file uh, behind each other one time? I'm just waiting for the and, Chandler High School. And Jacob Conover uh, at Chandler Seven people lined yeah. up behind the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Which way are they going to go? That feels like a flag football thing. Yeah. Granted, you don't play with 11. But I, I am excited about kind of what, – yeah, what are we going to see here? Is Houston Haymooley the smartest fullback in, in BYU history? He's a Stanford grad. Like, that's, that's pretty awesome yes. in BYU history as a fullback. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He's an excellent blocker and obviously a legacy kid we're excited to have. So many storylines. Um, my biggest question mark is the defensive line that you just pointed out. Which that'll take – that's going to take – the answer Probably won't come for season. a while. Yeah. yeah, that that answer will not come. And like, for a what while. answer? What answer are we realistically hoping for there? <sighs> can well, BYU create more chaos? Can they create more disruption 
and more turnovers. And frankly, can they stop the run better than they did last year? Because in third and short situations, BYU was one of the worst third down and short stop uh, stoppage defenses in the entire country. All I want is that then, because I don't need the havoc if you stop the run. Like, like, havoc is great. Some of that's lucky. Third and two or fewer yards, BYU had a bottom 10 defense last year. Not good. Got to get off the field. Not bad. 10 wins with that. Right? So if you shore that up, how much wow. better can this team be? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. None other than the head football coach, Kalani Sitake, joins us now to preview BYU football training camp 2022. Kalani, great to have you back on the show. What are your emotions like on a morning like this? Oh, I'm just excited, man. It's ready to go. And uh, it seemed like... Um, I don't know, it seemed, it seemed like the summer was so long and, and uh, took forever to get here. But, uh, you know, we start practice tomorrow. The guys look great. Uh, just had a team meeting with them, and, and um, we're going over all the little details. We have a, a couple meetings uh, to go, and then we're on the field. And I, I'm excited to see these guys roll. And then uh, and talking to the players throughout the summer, uh, all the, the player run practices, everything that they've been doing has, has been going really, really well. So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow in practice. Let's start with the hard-hitting questions, Kalani. Uh, your wife, Timberly, posted a photo of you and your new baby. Uh, were you awake in that photo or asleep? I, I, I don't even know. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know when my kids <laughs> and my wife, you know, it's been crazy. That's one of the few times I get to hold my baby because uh, our, our daughters, our, our Sky and Sadie and our, our son, KK, uh, they're always holding, holding a, a baby Sylvia. So, it, for me, it's like whenever I get a chance to, I'm going to try to do it. But, um, yeah, I... I mean, it's been 12 years since we've had a newborn, and uh, just just really, really lucky that my wife's able to take good care of her and allow me to get some sleep so I can come here and, and, and get to work, you know, and and uh, basically get the team ready to roll. But yeah, we're so excited to have her here, and um, man, it's it's been it's been so much fun, and and uh, just uh, just does something to you, man. I I don't know anything about it. I just I feel like being a father was one of the best things I could mm -hmm. ever have, and being a husband. So this this is uh this is great, and then I. I followed up with getting the coach, uh, the greatest team in college football. So this is a lot of fun for me. Ah, well said. And congratulations again on welcoming baby Sylvia. Kalani Satake is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We are essentially 24 hours away from the time that camp actually starts. And you see your guys start to run around in the fall of 2022. What's your biggest storyline as the head coach, or at least the thing you're paying most attention to as you begin camp again? I think for us is our identity as a team. Last year, I know there's a lot of questions going into the season. Uh, and this year, the, those questions are probably not as, as – they're way different than they were last year. Just reminded the team that, that our expectations for ourselves and, and the brand that we play with and the style of football that we play and, and, and our culture, all those things need to happen for us, and, and, and we need to double down on, on all our competitive advantages. There's a lot of things that we can, we can accomplish in the next month before we get to the game. Um, and I, I praise them for all their hard work and, and the team chemistry that I see, the love that they share for each other, the willingness to learn. But from last year to this year, it's learning those lessons that, that uh, could get, make us a better team and taking the next step. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm not worried. I think last year you guys asked me about how many wins and things like that. I, I'm not concerned about that. I, I feel like if we can learn the lessons from last year, be a better team this year because of it, we're definitely a healthier team. 
get uh, more depth. And I feel like our depth is, is starting to really come along. But until we get on the field and I see it with my own eyes, it's going to be really hard to confirm it. And uh, I'll probably talk to you guys next time and be like, yeah, we got to get better. You know, but um, I can tell you one thing, our, our, our guys on our team, I, man, I love them. They, they work so hard. They love what, you know, what they represent. They love the mission of, of our team that's right in line with the university and with the church. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing these guys perform this season. And we are as well. We were talking about some of the storylines for us going into camp, many of which won't actually be answered until you play games. So what kind of answers do you feel like you can get or even what are the questions during fall camp that you seek as you prepare for the season? Well, I think the, the first thing is a competition. Uh, who's going to earn the reps? Uh, there's going to be some some great competition in so many different positions. And uh, there's guys that are competing even for the backup spots and, and not just starting spots. So it's, it's everyone's fighting for um, time and, and, and being able to get on the field and then trying to get their, their, their seconds or minutes of that 60 minutes that we're, we're given in the game. And so that's going to be the key. I think uh, how we manage the, 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 the health of the team is going to be important too. Uh, there's a, it's a violent game and it's a physical game. So we're going to have to be ready as we have to go and, and be physical and tackle and, and, and then make plays and get game ready. But at the same time, there's some guys that have done it before. They just need to, they just need to learn and, and refresh themselves, get healthy. And so it's, it's also giving guys pitch counts, making sure that they're healthy, but also knowing that going into the season, uh, talking to our, our, our sports medicine department, talking to our sports scientists and our weight room coaches, like, hey, is this guy ready for how much how much intensity today? And, and then looking at the data that we're going to be able to look at and, and, and the, uh, just the analytics of it all with their health is going to be the key. So those things all this is a little bit different than last year, but the, the thing with the, the, the injuries that we experienced from last year, we're a deeper team now. Yeah, and which makes the competition more exciting, and that's going to be, I think, number one, the competition is going to be fun to watch, man. These guys are, I mean, you just look at O line. There's a bunch of guys that have started games. Just that's one position. Who who are going to be the guys that are going to get the reps, and and how can we utilize all the talent that we have on our team in different ways of different personnel groups on offense, defense, and special teams. Coach, you just mentioned that your team is deeper than they were last year. In your opinion, in now seven years of doing this as the head coach at BYU. Is this the deepest, most experienced roster that you have brought over from one year to the next? Um, yeah, when, I, when we talk about depth and being team being deeper, it's it's actually team players that have, have played in games, right? Experienced depth, and so I think sometimes people are like, well, everybody has a depth chart. It's not like we're there's some years we only have forty players to work with. We have a complete roster, but it's it's the guys that are on the depth chart that have actually been in games, have played valuable reps, have started even, and and and. And there's only 11 guys at a time, so there's this huge um, uh, competition to get those reps and get those opportunities. And that's going to be that's going to be the focus for us. How do we get to see the, the competition take form, and how do we get those guys to be the best they possibly can be? And how do we utilize all the talent that we have on our team? And when you talk about depth from years past, I, I don't I don't know. We've always had depth. It's just I don't know if we've had this much depth that have started in games. Maybe that's the easiest way to say it. I've never thought about it until uh, right now about the, it this way, but Kalani, when you take over in, in December of 2015 with this program, it's been six years, aka mission and four years and, and COVID and whatnot to get guys that are seniors that maybe you interacted with first way back in 2015. You've got this very experienced group that's had this extra year due to COVID and whatnot. The expectations are high. How would you quantify sort of the difference in what you expect from this group versus, say, the younger groups you had in 2018 and 19 that are building to what you have now? Well, there's expectations and then there's reality, right? So the, the expectations that we have for ourselves 
they have to be in line with, with what you can actually accomplish. And so looking at what we did last year and the questions that people had about our team last year, they're different now. I think last year it was like, okay, who's going to be the quarterback? Now now you guys are talking about who's going to be the backup and who's going to, you know, you know what I mean? And so the questions are a little bit different, but there's still a lot of questions to answer. And for us, it's like, okay, how can we um, elevate ourselves and even be better than we ever have been before? And it's going to take a little bit of our guys being uncomfortable, meaning that we're going to stress them a little bit physically and mentally. We're going to, we're, we're doing day one install and it's going to be probably more than we've ever done before because mm-hmm. we have so much experience. Well, then, then you sit there and you go, well, that, that kind of sucks for the freshmen. Yeah, it, it does, you know, but, but we have to cater to the guys that, that have to compete and the freshmen will, will come along and they'll, they'll buy into it. And what we're asking for them is we don't expect the freshmen to know like the, 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 the graduating senior, but um, the graduating senior ha- senior has a, a role to bring that freshman along. And what I've seen from this team so far and the way that they compete and help each other, it's it's something that that's really, really special. When you have uh, guys that are coming in and even guys that transferred in and you have the they're competing for spots, but you have the guy that's actually helping someone that's trying to beat him out. Um, that, that, that's something special. And that's that's unique. And that that's really the type of young men that we have, the families that they come from, the expectations that they have from themselves. And when you have that type of culture and that type of environment and a, a culture that's built around learning, and then even, even some of it's making mistakes in, in games and getting better. I'd, I'd like to get all the mistakes done in the next month. And then not make <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just like, okay, we, we know what turnovers can do. Let's not, let's not have them in the game. Do them right here in practice, and then, then, then let's get them out of the way and, 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 and uh, figure things out. But, um, yeah, but with, with ty- the type of kids that we have, man, it's something special. And, and I'm, I'm really excited that they're taking ownership of it and they're taking the leadership role of helping young guys out and, and we're overwhelming them with a lot of content and a lot of plays but uh, that needs to happen in order for us to get accomplish our expectations and our goals coach it's always great to talk with you we know how busy you are and how excited you are this time of year but uh, you made time for us and we're appreciative of that my boys go Cougs. love you guys we'll be right back with more of the best of byu sports nation The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Camp Kalani 2022, day one. And again, what better way to celebrate the return of football and specifically BYU football training camp than with our pre-camp awards and honors, if you will. (laughs) We have carefully very carefully selected five extremely competitive categories. They are your MVP, the Mr. Looks the Part, yep, the Comeback Player Award, the Surprise Player Pre-Camp Nod, and the Oh Yeah, That Guy Award. <laughs> like, we forgot about you. Hey, there you are. Only at BYU does that happen. You go, oh yeah, we talked about you three years ago on signing day. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Two and a half years. That award was brought up by Jerem, and I am on board for it fully. Oh, yeah, that guy. Okay. So we will go uh, one by one. You'll give your uh, – let's, let's, in fact, let's reverse this it. Let's end right. with we'll the MVP. We'll go step by step. Let's end with the MVP. Let's save the okay. MVP until yeah. the last. Yeah. So we'll start with Mr. Looks the Part. You give your guy, and then I'll give my guy, and we'll go one by one. I think the spring Mr. Looks the Part champ is going to win again mm-hmm. in fall camp mm-hmm. here. And again, these are what we think will be the the award winners after camp. 
So we're going to have to hand these out again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to revisit The this. Mr. Looks Apart will be Ben Bywater again. Ooh, good choice. He's wearing the Mitch Matthews shorts, if you will. They're like illegally cut too high. <laughs> but Ben Bywater was that guy where you're like, oh, my gosh, you look incredible. Like, and he had a great freshman year, uh, stepped in for Keenan Peely, uh, who got hurt and had a, had a tremendous season. Led BYU in tackles. Like, no one was saying Ben Bywater is going to lead BYU in tackles going into last year. That's the fun part of sports. You think you know, you don't actually know. But we'll sit here and act like we do. Uh, ben Bywater is the Mr. Looks the Part again after spring. I agree with you, but for the sake of just bringing other names into the fold, if it's not Ben Bywater, I think the guy that's second on that list is Hinkley Ropati. Yeah, Hinkley. He's got, when, you, when your legs have their own Twitter account... <laughs> You're legit. That's true. Hinkley Rapati's legs. legs, That is a real Twitter account. (laughs) Okay, so he's number two. If it's not Ben Bywater, it's Hinkley Rapati and his legs. Let's get Hinkley some carries, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And your name's Hinkley at BYU. (laughs) Let's go. I didn't even think about that. Hinkley Rapati. Don't muff it. (laughs) If you know, you know. Yes. 2000. Shout out to the New Mexico game. Shout out to uh, Gordon B. The Lavelle era. Yes. Okay, second award. The Comeback Player Pre-Camp Award. Keenan Peely. Keenan Peely is going to crush this one. Um, He is back. He is a huge part of that defense. I would dare say he needs to be BYU defense's best player. Not not just tackles, because every play that doesn't result in a guy running out of bounds or a touchdown requires a tackle, okay? So to some degree that is overrated, but the, the, the way he makes tackles, what tackles he makes on the field, what situations he makes them in, the confidence he gives the rest of that defense is huge. He's going to be the comeback player. We think he's going to be the reason that BYU goes from, like, the 78th best defense in the country up towards – Top 50. Top 50, yes. And, like, and, and the insurgence of that and then – It's got to be even higher. Putting Peyton Wilgar back in his usual position. Now we're talking in that linebacker. With, with Oregon and Baylor and Notre Dame and Arkansas and whatnot, if you're top 40, that's pretty good. Yeah, again, potentially special. Okay, uh, hard to argue – with Keenan Peely, just because of how many tackles he's going to rack up. Yes, like, he's like, the guy. He'll be an immediate difference maker. Another guy that's coming back from injury that I think will make a huge difference in the secondary is Micah Harper. We didn't see a ton of Micah Harper last year, unfortunately. Zero yeah. So to get him back in the line, we will notice him in camp. It's yes. going to be good to have Micah Harper back with the, with the secondary and pass protection. So Micah Harper is my runner-up to Keenan Peely in the Comeback Player Award. Micah, again, 2020, only freshman that played prominently on that defense. His dad actually played at Hawaii against BYU and Ty Detmer. So, like, he, he could have anti-BYU sentiment, right? Like Cahill uh, Fennell of the men's basketball team we talked to him. He's like, I grew up hating Ty Detmer. Uh, but now he's at BYU. So, great to have Micah back. He is converted from cornerback to safety. And BYU needs some good safeties, right? You've got Malik Moore and sure. you've got a host of talented guys there. Um, excited to see what Micah does. Okay, on to the surprise player pre-camp nominees, if you will. And surprise is like, I didn't expect much, and then I got something, right? Um, it's Chase Roberts, mm. wide receiver uh, out of American Fork. All-American in high school, went on a mission. Essentially, reg- he redshirted last year. When he got his hamstring healthy and his, his mission legs back, if you will, he was crushing it in practice. 6'4", good height, great hands, great route running. He is going to compete for that kind of number three, number four spot on this team. After next year, when Puka 
Nakua and Gunnar Romney are gone. It is the Keanu Hill Chase Roberts show mm. for BYU. Chase Roberts is going to be a baller here. You know who you need to add to that list that will surprise people, also a wide receiver, is Cody Epps. Amen. Cody Epps has great potential to be the surprise player of 2022 football camp because he's been injured for basically the entire duration that he's been at BYU. He's been, this is his third yes, season here. It's been two full years. It's time for Cody Epps. And he's yeah. finally healthy. So Cody Epps. With that health in place, I feel like we'll surprise a lot of people on fall camp. Both Chase Roberts yeah. and Cody. Epps. I love those guys. What if what if I told you that a Heisman Trophy winner was chucking the ball to one Cody Epps? Bryce Young in high school was throwing the ball for like 1,800 yards. His favorite receiver. And like 28 touchdowns, Cody Epps. Cody Epps was a USA Today first team All-American in high school. Rarely does BYU recruit and get – well, they recruit him, but get that guy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see slot receiver Cody Epps put up some numbers. Okay, three awards down, two to go. <laughs> this is probably my favorite, the oh, yeah, that guy <laughs> award. Somebody that has fallen off your radar, yeah. whether it be oh, a guy yeah. that is back from his mission. Typically that. You know, was recruited a long time ago, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Who's your, oh, yeah, that guy? Tate Romney. <laughs> Tate Romney is on the roster. That's the youngest brother of uh, Baylor and Gunner, of course. Tate went on a mission. He's a linebacker. He's, like, genetically just a little thicker than his brothers who are or more lean, right, quarterback, wide receiver types. Tate Romney's a linebacker. Now, I don't know how much Tate's going to play this year with the experience BYU has at linebacker, but you're going to see him and go, oh, yeah, a, another Romney. And, man, he's, he's thick. I saw him at Raisin Cane's in Provo a couple months ago, like a month off his mission. I was like, how are you so big right now? He was on the Fuivacapuna Regiment. <laughs> Crazy. Just eating chicken the whole time. Okay, my Oh Yeah That Guy award goes to a man well down the running back depth chart. I feel like we've forgotten about him because Tyler Algier was so good. Christopher Brooks has transferred. Houston Hamilly has transferred. Mason Wake is back there as a fullback. Jackson McChesney is in the mix. We already mentioned Hinkley Rapati. Lopini. Lopini Katoa? Oh, yeah, that guy's Lopini? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> then, then, there's, then there's Miles Davis. Hey. Oh, yeah, that guy. If peeing your pants is cool, <laughs> call me Miles Davis. Miles right? Davis has work to do for BYU. We may see him in the return game, kickoff return specialist. Um, again, he's healthy, and the coaches have always been like, he's got this burst. He's got this spark. And coaches seen, love him. We've seen moments we'll of love him. Love him. But he's like, it feels like he's like sixth or seventh on the depth chart. He'll see the field this year. Like, what? Yeah, he, he'll I, see the field. I, I think he's the number three walking in. Uh, Miles it, Davis. It's going to be a battle with Jackson McChesney, Hinkley Rapati, and others, right? But Miles Davis is a guy that the coaches have lauded for a while. And we saw him a little bit in 2020 because BYU was just crushing Troy and Louisiana Tech. We saw Miles Davis. And we didn't time. see anybody because Tyler Alger took over the show. When you play seven power fives and some other good opponents, you, you're not in that kind of blow out position as much, right? So, yeah, Miles Davis is going to get some run this year. We'll, we'll see if he's the number three. And what did Jackson McChesney do to not deserve any playing time ever? Like what he did against USC, what he did against UMass in 2019. Sure. Um, you know, it, against Navy got hurt early 2020, so we didn't see him after that with, with the season ending, I think, at Liz Frank at that point. So that battle for, like, who's the number three running back, which let's be honest, I'm not sure how many carries we're going to see from that position with Christopher Brooks and Lopini Katoa, two proven kind of fifth-year senior guys. Is Brooks a fourth-year senior, fifth-year senior? Both seniors. Uh, there's some real depth at running back as well, we For think. For sure. We think. Okay, you got Tate Romney, I got Miles Davis. Now for your camp, most valuable player. Not named Jaron, right, Hall? 
Yeah, it typically, That's too easy. it typically lands on the quarterback, right? Like, Jaron Hall should probably be the if most valuable player in camp. If he's not, I think there's an issue. I think he will be. Um, besides him, I'm going Jacob Conover. People love the backup quarterback. Classic backup People quarterback. Love that, like, oh, did you Stewart. see that throw by Conover? Christian Stewart, man, why didn't he play more? Baylor Romney, why didn't he start? Jacob Conover, I think, is going to have a nice fall camp. I believe he walks in as the number two quarterback right now. Cade Finnegan is going to challenge him for that number two. Those two will battle it out. Maybe they bring in another transfer next year. Jaron Hall leaves, right, for the NFL, which we all think is going to happen because he's going to have a great year. Again, this guy turned down Alabama, three state titles. He's been used to being an underclassman, trying to fight for time in high school. This is his third year in camp. Great story from him was he's, he's coming off a mission, he has the chance to go back out, you know, for a little while. He comes back and, say, uh, and comes to BYU in 2020. Yeah. And uh, Kalani said, hey, you can come in, but we don't have a scholarship for you right now. And he said, that's fine, it, just as long as you're okay if I beat out Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall for the starting job. Like, he was the swag. confident. He's Swagger. got swag. Obviously, kind of was the number three last year behind Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. Jacob Conover. All right. Uh, my most valuable player, not named Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua. I think Puka's going to have a massive camp. He's going to make the highlight reel catches. We're all going to see him from BYU photo and video like, oh, Puka made another amazing one-handed catch today. He did it in games last year, so, so of course that's going to continue into camp against his BYU defensive counterpart. So Puka Nakua, to me, will be the most valuable player because it'll be the, it'll be the loudest highlights produced. Totally. Absolutely. Right? He'll produce the loudest and highlights. And who's going to be throwing him the ball quite a bit? Jaron Hall. Jacob Conover, And Jacob Conover. The, both. Um, yeah, how many, how many reps do you give Conover is one question I have with this. Obviously, Jaron deserves the most of the ones. But, like, you know what Jaron is. Obviously, you want to develop him. But, like, you need to have Jacob ready just in case. That's been proven just with any quarterback in college football. And BYU is that backup's got to be ready. So how ready will Jacob Conover be should sure. he be needed? A couple of quick notes about Jacob Conover. Uh, according to Houston Hamuli. He throws the tightest spiral and the ball that makes his hands hurt the most when he catches it. There's that. He's okay. got the strong arm. Also, nice. he's got the backing of Max Hall. If you missed that interview, you go back a couple of weeks ago, listen to our interview with Max Hall on why he is so high yeah. on Jacob Conover. That Arizona bias coming To out. take over for Jaron <laughs> Hall once Jaron leaves. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jaron, you and I were just talking offline about your propensity for golf and competing against Fessy Satake. Pretty good score always, there. There's always competition, uh, even in the offseason, yeah. but but coach got you so yeah, I'll probably play with someone else before fall camp next, next year. <laughs> I don't like going into fall camp with a loss under my belt already personally but next time I'll make him play at the tips with us he played the whites so mm. make sure to mix that up uh-huh real story okay, that, we just now got we the, got the, real, the story. real story I'm gonna go with so that's the only story I care yeah. about do you have to officially put the clubs away is there a ceremony when you go into fall camp yeah yeah I try to I mean maybe by week in the season or um you know, day here and there. Golf, it's good to get away, kind of release the mind a little bit when you when you have time. But for the most part, I'll be I'll be mainly locked into football sure. now. But I'll never say never say never for <laughs> golf. Never say never. I'm sure you were confident going into last fall to be the starter. But now that you know you're the guy, what's this camp like knowing you're the number one quarterback? Yeah, uh, it doesn't change a lot. Just understand the leadership roles, um, a little more clarity. 
Um, just more guys with me in the leadership position, more guys experienced that have come back you know, with me, and, and I think that's a, very, it's a comfort to me to know that I got a lot of guys that got my back, I got their back. It's just it's fun to be out here and just see all the familiar faces, to not look across the ball, not see a new person out there, and you just know everyone knows what they're doing. So it's been fun. It's easy to, to, it's easy to be in that leadership role when you know guys are kind of coming along by themselves. Hard to answer this after such a short time away from the first practice, but what was the best thing your team accomplished today? I think just being in the right place. Now it's a matter of getting there quicker, being more synced together, you know, one through 11. O-line looked great, but I just think skill guys, you know, we all know what we're doing, you can tell. Now it's just a matter of just kind of getting rid of some of the, you know, the butterflies, or maybe the nerves, and just going and playing ball full speed now. I think that's our next step. We get to see about 20 minutes of practice. Uh, rumor has it you get to see the whole practice. Uh, <laughs> what were your, uh, and we love to discuss this, what's your day one overreaction? We make gross overreactions based on the 20 like, minutes we, we see. We see this one thing, we go, oh, that means this. What's your overreaction? Uh, my overreaction is that the defense looks really good in blue jerseys. Overreaction. Tell us about that dynamic of because it's one team that outside it's one team. It certainly is one team. But like in fall camp, it, it's defense versus offense. In fall camp, it's heck with the defense, man. So that's the enemy for the time on the field, right? Keep each other healthy. You get in the locker room, you're, you're chopping it up and, and chilling. But out here, we do a good job of having that mindset. That's who we're going against. The trash talk, uh, just getting things heated is good for us. It's a good competitive environment, so I like that we're mature enough to know when we're out here, I mean, that's, that's your mm. opponent across the ball, but you get inside and, and you know, you're chilling. So, In fun. your completely unbiased opinion, how did the defense specifically, looking good in those blue jerseys, perform against you in the offense today? Uh, no, defense looked good. They did. They're just, I feel like all offseason you hear a lot about the offense, guys coming back, but the defense just as much so. I mean, I can't think of maybe two or three guys we lost on defense and so they look good again they know what they're doing as well uh, i'm excited to continue to go against them all fall i can't think of a better defense in my five years to go against and, and get better as a quarterback so i think there'll be a lot of mutual benefit from each other this fall this fall camp a lot of people certainly wondering about the replacement for tyler algier there are some capable guys christopher brooks brought in how is he looking chris looks really good yeah he does he's played a lot of football peeney's played a lot of football um, Houston's played a lot of football, another transfer, and then the other backs, you got Cheese and you got Miles. They're going to do a lot of good things for us. What did so. you say, Cheese? cheese. Who's Chesney? Cheese? McChesney? McChesney. McChesney. Cheese? You know like Cheese. Yeah. Mr. USC himself. So. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. When you uh, prepare for a month of practices, by the time it always happens, by the time you get to like week three, you're sick of each other. Is there a way that you can avoid that, of getting sick of each other? Oh, it's just, it's like being around your siblings too long. You just start to butt heads a little too much. A couple fights start breaking out. It's just annoyed of each other, and that's natural. But that also means you're competing. Yeah, you're getting physical, you're going at it, doing what you need to be doing. I don't think there's any way to stop that. Uh, you, can, <laughs> you can ask guys to all you want, but I think that's just the nature of football. We try. Uh, so, we'll, so we'll see this fall camp. Maybe something will change. But in my four years so far, Part of the deal. <laughs> you mentioned button heads with your brother. Uh, your brother's on the team. Uh, Kyson's back from a mission. What was it like to have him out there? It was fun to see him. Coach him up, rough him up a little bit. Um, definitely not easy on the kid. Uh, I love him, but you know he's got a long way to go, and I'm excited for him. He's got a lot of talent, bunched up in that speedy, twitchy little body of his. But um, it's like all freshmen, you know, he he has his time, and, and it'll come. So it's just fun being with him. Long long story short, I love seeing him out there. Finally, he's the only brother I've never been able to play with, mm. so he's the first one. Um, KJ and Dawson I did in high school, but not him. So it's, it's cool. It's very special for us. And people may forget Dawson's on the baseball team. Three halls at BYU. Three halls at BYU. There you go. 
You got some other quarterbacks in your room that are competing for the number two spot. Jacob Conover, Cade Fennigan specifically, Sol J. Maiava Peters also in there. From your perspective, how have each of those guys grown? We'll, we'll start with Jacob. How has Jacob progressed from last season to day one of fall camp? Jacob is a very, he's a, he's a fireball quarterback. He loves the big plays. He has a, a wicked arm, makes all the big plays, but I've just noticed over the last year, he's really become a game manager, right? He takes what's there. He takes the easiest play. I mean, him talk, go back and forth after our reps. What'd you see? Well, you could have done this better. You could have done that. So Jake's a guy who's very locked himself in to now he has the arm to make the big plays, but now you can tell he's managing the game. He's moving the chains in his mind, which I love to see from him. And, and for any quarterback, I feel like that's the biggest jump you make from your first couple of years to now really being ready to play football. When it comes to this camp and this group, obviously a lot back from a really good team, what do you guys need to accomplish in this month to be ready? We just got to sync everything up better. Um, having a lot of guys are experienced, you can tell we all know what we're doing, but now it's just being in the right, right place at the right time, right? Just timing everything up. So I think that's our next step is just making sure we're all synced up. You opted for the long sleeves. Now, it's hot out here. I'm sweating. I expected. Utah let me down. It was very, it was cloudy. It looked like it was going to rain. I said, okay, I love the sleeves. I don't like going without sleeves. Come outside. The second the whistle blows for warm-ups, sun's, sun's out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got sun's out, guns out, right? Yeah, I just don't have any guns these days, you know? It's and uh, Ben Bywater would disagree. He pointed out that you had long sleeves on. And also, you, you are the exact opposite of Puka Nakua, who was an all-white, and I think he had the shortest shorts. Yeah, the least on, amount on. of clothing on, yes. <laughs> we might have to honor code the man for that. <laughs> might, have to look, might have to look into that one. We call those shorts the Mitch Matthews. That's what oh, we, He loves the short yeah, shorts. Oh, yeah. It's always the tall guys, yeah. man. They love showing it off. Okay, we were discussing this on the show. What, is, what, is, uh, you, what do you prefer to quarterback against, or what is harder? You can take whatever angle you want on this. Like, like a, a many guys blitzing or a drop eight? Get, get us inside your head of what you would prefer to attack. Uh, guys blitzing. There's a lot of space behind. It's hard to cover it up. And with our offensive line and the coaches understanding of blitz, picking that up, sharing that to us, I feel like when people blitz, it's easy to see it. A lot of, a lot of easy keys to pick up. If you're dialed in and you know what's going on. So it's man-to-man -man matchups or it's, you know, big gaps in the zone, grass to throw to. Versus drop eight, which, you know, we see a lot every day at practice which is fun. Uh, a lot of check downs. It's just kind of annoying, to be honest. But uh, when you start tackling, you have to tackle people. I'll take a check down to Chris Brooks or Lopini Cato any day. Go get a six, seven yards, easy throw. Yeah. But yeah, definitely more annoying to throw against a drop eight. You know, it's not as fun. So Real talk with the quarterback, Jaron Hall. That's real talk. That's real talk. Hey, thanks for the time, my friend. Best of luck uh, with the short sleeve next break. Yeah, I'm going to break them out probably. No promises. <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Day one of Cougar Camp, as Dave McCann and Jason Shepard have dubbed it. No official name, but no. we can go with that. Camp Kalani, Camp Cougar Camp. Kalani, Camp. yeah, all things all apply. Day one, officially in the books. They're into day two now, but because it's day one, we have to react after the long summer of waiting for some type of organized football at BYU, and we finally got it. So, Jerem, with that lengthy viewing period that we had. 
<laughs> At least some schools give nothing. That's true. Some, some we're, schools we're lucky to get allow uh, the media you know, nothing. Twenty minutes. Okay. What minutes. was your reaction to day one of fall camp? Yeah, it was ex- it was exciting to be there. First off, um, but a, a couple things uh, gathering from conversations off camera, on camera, right with people. Be always ahead of schedule. Uh, be always got a veteran team. Kalani Sataki told us earlier in the week. They're going to give the day one install will be way further ahead than they have been the last couple of years. Veteran group, which is exciting. Uh, and then from a personnel standpoint, it was great to see Isaac Rex and Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely all out there. Did they go all go full the whole time? No, they have a pitch count of sorts, but it was great to see all of them out there. And here's what Kalani Stake said about what he saw from those three. We have to protect them from themselves and <clears throat> effort and energy and desire. They want to be on the field as much as possible, but it's nice that we have to hold them back and not try to, you know, get them going. So that, um, those guys look good and, and uh, watch it on film. But from what I saw, the guys that are were injured that are returned today, I was really happy with. We've never questioned how good the starters are at BYU, but the starters are necessary for BYU to compete with Notre Dame and Baylor and Oregon and Arkansas yeah. and, and so on. Those starters can. So hopefully those guys, uh, it's good to see them back. Hopefully they can stay healthy all year. They're yeah. huge pieces of this team. I'm with you. It just feels like a veteran-laden team. I showed up and I'm like, totally. I know all of these guys and I've watched all of these guys play in significant games and play many significant games. Like Peyton Wilgar is a little freshman against USC yeah. picking off a pass on like drive two. Here he is now in 22 as like this sure. veteran coming off labrum surgeries and uh, he's healthy, which is great. Let's compare it to a movie because I know you love movies. I love the movies The Ten too. Commandments. Super long. <laughs> it feels like a very, very uh, star-studded cast uh, has been all put together, and you're kind of like, yeah. oh, I wonder what this movie's going to be. It's kind of like Ocean's Eleven. Like, you just bring in so many yeah. stars. Let's say you— Including you, the Mormon twist. You're not really sure what to expect. Like, you haven't seen Ocean's Eleven, but you see George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts and Matt Damon and so many others, and you're like, this should be a really good movie. This is what it feels like to me. It'll be a really good movie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Okay, another observation. Jacob Conover is the number two. Uh, he's, he's taken the second team reps. I learned he was uh, dubbed the number two after spring ball officially. Cade Fennigan competing uh, you know, at, at the number three spot there. He also still has his van that's decked out in BYU, <laughs> a BYU wrap. It's got over 325,000 miles on it. Let's get this guy an NIL, okay? Let's get this guy another car. We get him a brand new minivan. <laughs> Can the backup quarterback <laughs> in BYU get something here? Mind you, a brand my, new minivan. Mind nice. you, at Texas... We've got players signing deals with Lamborghini. Right. Can we just get him like a Honda Civic? Is can we? Can we get like Jacob a brand Conover new a new minivan? Fun, fun, fun fact: uh, When I lived at the Elms on campus, I took a whole apartment of girls out on a single date in a minivan. I, I called it a polygadate, and I had a van. I went to a dollar movie, so it didn't cost me that much. It was like ten bucks. <laughs> hugged them all at the door. <laughs> Terrible. The polygonate. <laughs> Did I marry any of them or date any of them? No. It's just fun. Anyway. Oh. Okay, uh, another oh. observation. How are you going to recover from that? Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what Jaron Hall did in the offseason, okay? Yes. What Everybody did, wants to know. What exactly did he work on? We kind of knew the answer, but he spelled it out we when We talked to John Beck, right? Here's what he said. Uh, yeah, just fine-tuning you know, all the throwing mechanics, just getting everything dialed in. feel a lot more confident in my ability just to throw the ball everywhere around the field. Um, got a lot of people to thank for that. Um, but, yeah, just, just yeah, my ability to throw the ball a little better and just be on time. And trust me, it's not cheap. Uh, to, to get all that figured out, right? So Jaron Hall putting in that work uh, with John Beck, 
yeah. personally. And and listen, he had a great year. If he takes care of the ball and continues to sling it around, like if he gets better this year, like people have said, he's got he's got a chance to be a first three rounds draft pick. For sure. Maybe even first round, which is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, we talked to John Beck about Jaron, but it's different to hear from the source and from the source on day one of camp. And we've got our two-on-one interview coming up with him. Yeah. He put in some significant work, as you pointed out. Which is exciting. We Jer- weren't short on some big plays in day one of fall camp either. Right. There were, yeah, there were, there were some good plays. There were some others where it was like check downs, check down city. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we checked in to check down city uh, a couple times, but <laughs> that's all right. Um, because it's awesome to walk into a fall camp, Spence, knowing who the quarterback is and knowing that that quarterback is awesome. Ocean's okay? 11. Ocean's 11. Michael Daly had an interception, which was great. We saw a tip from uh, Jacob Robinson, who's converted from safety to corner. He, t- he told me he's pretty comfortable there now. Michael Daly is the nephew of David Nixon and redshirted last year. So good to see Michael well, Daly Coming up with a gross overreaction right now based on that little nugget. He's the nephew That's, of David Nixon. He's going to be an yeah. NFL linebacker and an all-time great. And an all-time great. Chris Brooks looked great at running back. That dude is jacked. Mm. Uh, looked fantastic. Had an 80-yard practice touchdown, a.k.a. he gets tapped like – Five times, but keeps on running the distance. I was like, that's an 80-yard touchdown. And then uh, a few guys who are still getting to the roster aren't there with injuries, academics, etc. You could practice with 110. You, you field 123 once you get closer to the season. So there are a few guys that weren't out there. Like Chaz Ayu is out there, but he's not practicing yet. He's a little ways off, Kalani Satake said. Atunaisa Mahe, yeah. Chris Jackson, Caleb Christen, Justin Smith, a few notables, waiting to just get them back out on the field. Now, mind you, again, this is based on like 30 to 35 minutes of observation, but it took me about 30 seconds of watching a couple of plays to notice the downfield coverage by the BYU defense against Jaron Hall and the ones, which was really nice. Yeah. Which forced those checkdowns, you know, either to the running back or to the motioning receiver. Just check down, check down, check down because the downfield coverage was pretty solid over the course of that 30 minutes. Yeah. So. Uh, Gabe Judy Lally looked pretty good. Yeah, D'Angelo Mendel. You talk to the defense, they'll tell you very quickly, defense won the day. You know? We, we kind of talked to Jaron Hall about that as well. Like, did the defense win the day? Is it time to freak out because the defense won the day? <laughs> freak out either way. <laughs> like, if the defense dominated in fall camp, I would love it. Because we know the offense is good. We don't sure. need the offense to show us much. For sure. It's practice. All right. On, on the topic man. two we go. Okay, on the opening day of fall camp, we expect to hear some cliches. Okay. We always do. It's part of sports. True sign of leadership is in cliches, Jerem. <laughs> we would love some more creativity at times, but there are certain phrases that come out by uh, us as well. So let's walk through some of these. Kalani Stocker reminds us it's, uh, it's important to focus on the man in the mirror. Right now we're not focused on the opponent. We're focused on trying to get our, our foundation set for our offense, like get our identity set for our defense, offense, special teams, and then uh, then we'll head towards uh, uh, getting closer to the opponent once we get closer to the game. But right now, we're competing against each other. Okay, <laughs> probably two, two there. right there. Yep, probably two, two right there. there. Focus on ourselves. We'll focus on ourselves, <laughs> not the opponent. <laughs> it, is, cliche. it is what it is. But there, Sports cliches. There is truth in them, for sure. Like, while we laugh, because it is funny, there's truth. There's truth involved there. Yeah. And the longer you've been it's around just, the game as a coach and a just, player, the more those will naturally happen. It's when just you're a talking. familiar package. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Hey, QB1, Jaron Hall, not to be left out in this conversation. His timing is impeccable. So is his sense of time and on the length of a season. I mean, football is such a long, it's such a long season. Off season's long, but just keeping everybody 
kind of focused, positive, confident in the ups and the downs. I think that's our, our strength is just staying focused, uh, staying humble, and just always making sure we're doing what we need to do. Season's long. Check, 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 check. <laughs> there were three in there? Wow. <laughs> nice. Well, wait, just wait. Because That's Gunner, impressive. Gunnar Romney's a fifth-year guy. <laughs> okay? Um, he shows the young guys how many cliches you can actually fit into a single sandwich. Yeah, I think number one for this team is keeping everybody healthy. I think, I think that is the key. Um, and then just, you know, uh, perfecting our craft. I think getting better every single day. I think we both sides of the ball expect to be, to be great. And I think, you know, Iron, sharp, iron sharpens iron, and so just working against each other and just getting better every single day. Yeah, he's like, he's like Legolas and Fellowship six? of the Ring. He's coming down the mountain just going. Sports <laughs> 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 cliche. Sports cliche. <laughs> and it's okay. I love Gunner. It, like, but he's been, like I said, he's been around is, a long time. Is Gunner's name a sports cliche? <laughs> Gunner. I love it. In, in, in the name itself. I love his name. It's oh, great. Oh, man. This is so stupid. When I was like 15, one summer, I was like, my life's pretty easy. I literally prayed for like a hardship. Oh, gosh. Never do that. Oh, and, you, and you, it happened. I got it. You got it. God answers prayers. <laughs> okay? I got it. Oh, it was rough. Be careful what you ask for, to ask use for, another cliche. Ask for nice things. <laughs> There's a song by uh, one of my favorite artists, Ben Rector, that's all about cliches. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.